The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Top Gun Maverick, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this cool, awesome 2023 movie, 2022 movie. Joining me today on the panel are Jason UG. Hey, Jason. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. And first time joining us, Cameron Kelly. Hey, Cameron. Hey, Dom. Thanks for inviting me. So before we get into the show, I want to tell all the listeners to be sure to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from that lets you do this and write a review or leave a rating or whatever you can do of this show that helps us a lot, helps us get out to more listeners who can enjoy the, the things we're doing. And be sure to share the podcast with your friends. You help us grow this community. We we The number one way we grow is through recommendations from you. And I want to make sure to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called Raising the Bets. That's a show I do with my wife, Melanie, and you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. So Top Gun Maverick, let me give you a quick rundown recap of what happens in this movie. Uh, And as always, spoilers. We're talking about the movie in depth. If you haven't seen it yet, you don't want spoilers. What are you listening to this for? Come back after you've seen it. All right. So here's what happens. Picking up from where the 1986 movie left off, where the Navy's top pilots take on fighters from a country that was totally not Libya. Captain Pete Mitchell now is a Maverick fighter pilot who is a test pilot for a top secret super fast aircraft program until he isn't anymore. (laughs) Before he is cashiered out of the service, he has one last mission to perform, training a group of top gun Navy fighter pilots for an impossible mission to destroy a nuclear weapons facility in a country that is totally not Iran. Um, Among the pilots is the son of Maverick's former radar intercept officer who was killed in the original Top Gun. And he's now also a Navy uh, pilot whose call sign is Rooster. And he holds a grudge against Mav for trying to hold him back from becoming a pilot. While training the pilots, Mav reconnects with an old flame. Then he joins the mission, successfully destroying the facility, but getting shot down along with Rooster. And together they have to steal an ancient F-14 Tomcat and then shoot down the most advanced fighter planes in the world, all to get back to the ship and be hailed as heroes. The end. Plus a blog. <laughs> so uh, that's basically what happens in this movie uh that doesn't do it justice yet so we, we'll get into that but before we do i want to talk about top gun in general and uh what it might you know what our experiences with it now cameron you're younger than jason and i so uh what's your what was your initial introduction to top gun and top gun maverick was this was top gun maverick your first experience of top gun or did you see the original Oh, I definitely saw the original. Gosh, um, when I was probably too young to see it. Um, (laughs) And I I just remember really loving all the adventure and the action. And um, I was probably too young to understand some of the underlying themes, but it was a really wonderful movie for me. Um, And then when uh, Top Gun Maverick came out, I... I just I had to see it and um, took some friends and 
I was more blown away than they were. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, so I I did see Top Gun. That was one of my favorite movies before Top Gun Maverick came out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, How about you, Jason? What's your experience with Top Gun? Well, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. It's the air capital of the world. You know, San Diego was fighter town USA, but in Wichita, they build lots of uh, corporate jets and stuff. And I grew up right across the street watching aircraft get towed across the, across the runways and stuff. And I, uh, so when Top Gun came out when I was a kid, I was just, it was just so cool. The airplanes and seeing everybody flying and the dogfights and stuff. Uh, back then I probably didn't care about all those underlying themes and <laughs> arguments and everything either, but, uh, the airplanes were just so awesome. And I eventually became an AMP mechanic, uh, fell in love with airplanes so much that made that for 20 some odd years, made that my career and, uh, worked at a factory with a lot of guys that were in the military and heard a lot of stories of stuff that they got to do out there and, so when Maverick came out, my friend that was in the Navy worked on uh, aircraft carriers and he was like, he texted me, he's like, man, you got to go see this. They, they outdid it. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's probably just another reboot. So, but I went and saw it and I was like, okay, you're right. They, they outdid it. Good job. So for me, I was uh, 17 turning 18 when uh, the original Top Gun came out and I was already heading into Navy ROTC and I had already planned that I was going to become a Navy fighter pilot. Now, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, life got in the way, various things happened, but it, it came, this movie came at me at a very formative time, a very key time in my life. And I loved it. And it's kind of funny when we got to our ROTC unit, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the officers in charge were always mocking us. It's like, you're just here because of Top Gun. And obviously it wasn't that true because we the process started long before Top Gun came out. But nevertheless, I mean, this was a huge movie for me. I love this movie. Partly, like, if you remember, there were movies about fighter planes before. Remember um, Iron Eagle? And there were other movies that featured fighters, but they were unrealistic. They They often included either stock photos of just planes flying across the screen, not shot for the movie, or there was, you know, models. And then it was completely unrealistic. Like Iron Eagle was a crazy, I actually, I kind of liked that movie too, but it was just crazy about teenagers taking F-16s. Uh, you know, just, it was crazy. But Top Gun featured real fighter planes and the cooperation, the, the real Navy. And they did all, they actually flew these planes and photographed them. And that sort of stuff, just, I loved it. And then on top of it, the patriotism, the 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 camaraderie that we saw in the movie that's that that aspect of the reaching for excellence and so when i heard that they were doing top gun maverick i was a little concerned because i was like you know tom tom cruise is this is 35 30 years later is he going to be able to pull it off is it going to be realistic and are they just going to get go away from the expense of filming real airplanes in the sky and just do cg i mean because they can make it look realistic and I was so glad to see that that on both counts, they surpassed it. And in fact, uh, one of the things I love about this movie is that all the air shots are real shots in the cockpit. I mean, that is pretty phenomenal uh, to see. It looked real to me. Yeah. So um, that's 
that was so Top Gun means a lot to me and it's and it continues to mean a lot. And um, so when this movie came out, really excited. Um, one of the things that that kind of struck me about this is, you know, with the, the casting is Tom Cruise is it's 30 years later. If Tom Cruise or Pete Mitchell were really in the Navy, he would have been out a long time ago. Right. I mean, that's just, you know, that's so you got to take a lot of this with a grain of salt. Right. But nevertheless, um, a lot of fun to to watch. And, and and a lot of people agreed. I mean, this was, I think, the top grossing movie last year, wasn't it? I think I think I read that somewhere. Um, the top grossing movie in 2022. So let's get into talking about the the different aspects of the movie. Um, the, the, one of the big aspects of the first movie was the music, the the soundtrack. You know, you had. Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone, you know, I mean, that just is like adventure music now. People just play that as a kind of, you know, a, a, a memified viral adventure music, adventure music. So I was really excited to see the opening of this one. They kind of preserved it from the original movie with the deck of the carrier, not the Danger Zone music right away, but the other theme music that they played. And uh, so what do you all think of the of the feel? How did it, how did it feel to see that opening? all of us being fans of Top Gun. Cameron, I'll let you go first. What did you feel the when you first saw that? Sure. I mean, um, just putting, you know, their little blurb up and then starting with that theme music, it really, it's it's almost like a shock. Um, and it, I, I wrote that down that, you know, the opening scene was so powerful and then it brings you right back to where Top Gun ended. And um, of course, at this point, like Maverick isn't deployed. He's not on that aircraft, but um, it was, yeah, just a great way for them to kind of bring us back to where it was. So I really, really enjoyed that. How about you, Jason? I, I, I watched the original right before I watched the new one last. I did that last night. I had oh. a little marathon and nice. it is the exact same opening. And so just that it's really subdued and, you know, until they get to the carrier, it's really subdued and they give you their little uh, history lesson about Top Gun. And uh, it kind of gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. It did for me, too. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, just a great way to open it to really bring us back to the original, to really ground us in it, to say, look, this is we're going back to the to that time. Um, there are some great themes in this movie themes uh, and I just name a few of them here and we'll talk about them as we go along but uh, themes of redemption and reconciliation of you know getting older and dealing with that and passing the torch to a new generation dealing with uh, obsolescence from a technology you know uh, camaraderie and friendships that that survive the time you know those sorts of things there's a line at one point in the uh, in the film I think it's uh, might be Warlock who says when they're talking about the the trench run, I call it the trench run. We'll talk about that why in a, in a few minutes. When they talk about the trench run and they have a limited amount of time and we're told time is your enemy. The pilots are told that time is your enemy. And in a sense, that's one of the key themes of this movie. Time is is Maverick's enemy. Um, he's racing against time to fulfill himself, to stay you know, before he gets older to, you know, because this is what he knows. This is what is he's good at is flying fast. Uh, and so he's been racing against time to stay in it. Um, so what do you think? I mean, is, is that intentional or what do you think? 
I think they started that right off the bat with that uh, Dark Star program, you know, and mm-hmm. he tells him uh, his friend Hondo tells him that the the drone rangers come in Admiral Kane and to kill it. But he but Tom or Maverick knows that if if they just let it die, all those people lose their jobs, you know, or have right. to go do something else if they're in the military, of course. But, you know, and even uh, Ed Harris's Admiral Kane told him all you did was give them a little more time. Right. What do you think, Cameron? Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely think from the beginning they've established that time is very much against Maverick. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny to me because I think that that kind of was a little bit into the in the first film as well, you know, with losing Goose and, and Maverick trying to rediscover who he is as a person and as a pilot. And they really carried that over into this one with the timing, his um, the timing with Rooster and pulling his papers, the timing with Penny and reconnecting with her. Um, and, you know, like as he's reconnecting with Penny and then he is deployed. And so he really, you know, every time I think he he gains a little bit of time, he's pulled back from it again. And I, I think we see that from the get go. That's really good. Good point. Yeah. And that connection with Goose, by the way, that he's he, throughout the movie, he says that line that we we heard in the first movie is talk to me, Goose. And he's mm-hmm. trying to connect with with Goose. Like he's he, it's almost like his guardian angel at this point. You know, talk to me, Goose. And then Rooster at one point is talk to me, Dad. You know, and it's it's that very much um, Obi-Wan moment, you know, where he's, he's trying to connect with something beyond himself. And, and I think Maverick recognizes, you know, the, his best days are behind. The most important people in his life are people he's already known and some of them have he's already lost. And um, and so he's trying to make that connection. Um, so it it is interesting that opening montage, like the whole thing about. Uh, the drone ranger, the replacing pilots with drones. I mean, we see that that's actually a real world debate that's going on in the military now is why are we sending you know, people, men and women up in aircraft to be endangered uh, when we could send drones and pilot them remotely from, you know, the deserts outside of Las Vegas, which is you know where most drones are piloted these days. And uh, and they they really make the argument in this movie that the difference is not the the machine it's the man in the machine that's one of the key aspects and in fact i kind of find that interesting how that kind of matches up with the way they filmed it which is they put real cam real men and women inside of planes and film them from there rather than put them inside a machine um there's something really human about that this idea that the human being on site in the in the machine makes the difference and uh, you know, trying to keep it from getting disconnected and having automated, you know, that over automating, automating war, automating, you know, when we, there's a philosophy that says if we send men and women to fight the war, we'll, we're less likely to want, you know, not less likely to want to go to war, but the decision to go to war is a harder one when real people are on, lives are on the line. And it's important to recognize, you know, the people are important, an important part of the system. I'm I'm, I'm kind of all over the place with that. But what do you think of that message in this movie about the differences, the man in the the box 
uh, as they kept putting it. Well, I've seen that uh, having worked on in an aircraft factory, I've seen that, you know, firsthand. I've I've built an airplane that can in when it's needed, they can put a pilot in the in the pilot seat. But also when it's needed, they can either fly it like a drone or they can give it a computer program and tell it to go, you know, go to this waypoint, A, waypoint B, waypoint C, do mission, such and such. So there that that technology exists to to do those sort of things. And and you know, your officers need to make those judgment calls. You know, sometimes you do need that person in the box. Other times, you know, if they're, you know, you're doing a humanitarian run, but there's still people with RPGs, maybe it's better to just, you know, if you lose, you know, crates of food and stuff, that's a bummer for the people that you were trying to get it to, but you don't lose your pilots for that either. So, you know, there's, I think that, and I, and I remember you and Jimmy talking about AI controlling everything, you know, I really don't want to think we need chat GBT making decisions for us. No, no, we don't want to give it a trigger. <laughs> that's, that's where Terminator is. Uh, that's another movie we should talk about sometime. <laughs> How about you, Cameron? What do you think of the, the man in the box question? Yeah. You know, um, like Jason said, I think there's a time and a place for everything. Um, and, you know, a lot of futuristic movies that we see are are very much, you know, drone controlled. Even a lot of what we see now is drone controlled. Um, but I, I agree because, you know, as, as you're thinking about like all the dog fighting at the end, um, it, it just wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked without the pilots. And, you know, in the beginning, when when Admiral Kane is talking about the Dark Star program um, and and talking about, you know, not having these pilots who have to sleep and eat and and disobey orders um but i think that you know throughout the the film we saw that it was necessary for certain you know parts of the mission for orders to not be followed and when you have something that's running on like code specifically and in only code um then it's it's going to go through that. And it's, you know, it, it might be really difficult to change in the moment. And that comes up with the don't think, just do that. Um, that Maverick keeps telling Rooster that Rooster really struggles with. So I, you know, it's, it was absolutely necessary in especially this mission. But, um, you know, it's also a film. So I think that it could go either way, depending on what the need is. Mm hmm. You know, if the, I was thinking if if the mission could have been done with Tomahawk missiles, you know how they use the Tomahawks to, but they couldn't use them to, to destroy the facility. They, and those are essentially drones, right? The Tomahawk is, a, is essentially in some, an autonomous drone. Um, in, and so they needed the person, they, you know, the human element was absolutely necessary to carry out this mission. And that was I mean, one of the key elements of this movie is to talk about like the 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 importance of the person in the seat in the, the to make it the split second decisions, the life changing life or death decisions. And uh, so I thought that was a, a really cool aspect of the how this humanizes this role and, you know, kind of makes the case that we need 
at some level, we're going to need people. Yeah, I think at some point in the future, there will be drone planes, fighter jets, and there will be uh, maybe even autonomous ones. But I think there will always at some point be someone in the air in an, in an aircraft needed at some level. So, um, so, uh, we mentioned we start with a, the with this dark star program, this uh, Mach ten plane that it's over at, out in you know the desert, probably out at Area fifty one or you know Groom Lake or wherever in some Nevada desert. Uh, of course, Mav lives in a hangar alone. Uh, that's just, you know, <laughs> just working uh, working on his P fifty one in his spare time. But by the way, did you know that um, that is actual Tom Cruise's personal aircraft that that Mustang? Yes. Yep. And at the yes. end, he flies it. Him and Jennifer Connelly are in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why. And I think she'd said in an interview once that it was not planned for them to actually go up in the air just for them to taxi around. And then he decided that he was going to, you know, take her for a little spin. <laughs> that that sounds like Tom Cruise. I've heard stories about him and his stunts and his desire to do more and more things. I I have a feeling that was really him on the motorcycle without a helmet and all that sort of thing. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. so what I find interesting with the with this Dark Star program is the aim was to keep the program alive by reaching Mach 10. But by going beyond, he ends up destroying the aircraft and ending the program, presumably. Yes. Yeah, that I thought that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think the funniest part of that, though, is when he goes into the diner. And <laughs> yes. Where am I? Little kid. Earth. Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so great. That was yeah. perfect. And then, you know, when he's taking off and they show the little the the guard house outside and they show the roof coming off, that really happened. And yeah, yes. I, was watching, one take. I was watching that was behind so the scenes about it and they said, Yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen. It it just <laughs> yeah. completely destroyed our set, but we just left it in there. <laughs> it was <Yes>. perfect. <laughs> yeah. Was that a real aircraft? Like I mean, it must have been. No, they said they used a they used an F eighteen. Uh, oh, one of the Blue yeah. Angels pilots was flying it. His name was uh, Frank Walleye Weiser. I was watching it, and he oh, said okay. he, that they that is one thing that they CGI'd that he flew his F Blue Angels F eighteen, um, and then they CGI'd over the Dark Star. Okay, yes, but I did read that. Um, while the aircraft was CGI'd and fictional, it was still designed by Lockheed Martin engineers. Um, because it's based off of the F-35 and the SR-71 Blackbird. Right. Um, and, you know, that one's really cool. I actually got to see the Blackbird in person up in Northern Virginia. So oh, cool. The Air and Space Museum has one. There's, so there's it, one it is very cool. Kansas it looks also. very similar. I've, I've touched yeah. it. It's it's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man, it just looks so sharp and a little terrifying, honestly, in person. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I love that it's so so futuristic, such like a spaceship. Um, I love the that they had they highlighted the the Skunk Works logo on the tail, mm-hmm. uh, that division of Lockheed where they designed these planes. And I'm sure that out there somewhere there is some supersonic, ultra fast, super secret plane that yeah, they're flying the around. Seventy one is fifties technology. Yeah. What aren't they telling us now? No kidding. <laughs> you know, probably hiding in Area 51. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jimmy Aiken and I will talk about that on a future episode. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, I was going to say the the so they he when they fly it, I mean, going Mach 10, I was like, he must have been over Kansas by the time he got there. You know, with that you got to like keep in mind, like Mach 10 is so fast. Now, of course. 
not the fastest man alive unless he's going into orbit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Astronauts go faster, but probably the fastest man in the world at the moment. Uh, you know, probably no one going faster than then. But um, yeah, when a, if a plane broke apart at Mach 10, the pilot is not going to survive. Let's just be clear on that. <laughs> if that actually happened, that would be yeah. the end of the movie and roll yeah. credits. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to eject from that. Yeah. So Mav is on about to be, you know, retired, put on the beach, and uh, you know, that's it by Kane. But uh he's saved by his old friend Iceman. I love the fact that Iceman is now commander of Pacific Fleet, Admiral, and has basically made it his project to protect his his friend, the rebellious fighter pilot, all these years, you know, to kind of keep him in 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 a, in the cockpit. Um and it was great that Val Kilmer was able to to be in the movie. It was fantastic. Yes, yeah. and to even have some speaking parts too. Wow. Yeah. They said that uh, he didn't speak them though. That he they used uh, a new form of a basically the deep fake AI. Oh and yes, he, he, yes, he, he did right. his he voice eared lip synced it, and then mm-hmm. they dubbed it with AI. But I thought that they used texting and. Uh, his computer program and stuff. And in the video I was watching about that, his daughter said that the AI gave him a voice again. Wow. She was pretty excited about it. That's fantastic. Because Val Kilmer, the actor has throat cancer and has had Mm -hmm. uh, his voice box has been taken. He has a, he has a a vocalizer, like one of that little box you hold up and, um, but they didn't want to, I guess they didn't want to do that in this. I mean, the, the fact is they're kind of stretching reality a bit here, even more like if the Admiral of the Pacific fleet had this, had a disease like this, he wouldn't, he would be retired and let, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, be in peace. Um, but I just, you know, they had to have Iceman back and it was fantastic to see him there. And I really like the idea that, you know, they were rivals in the original Top Gun but even by the end of that movie, they were they had overcome their rivalry and were on their way to friendship. And, you know, we we see that that it's been a lifelong friendship here. And um, it's really kind of cool to see that in this movie. So uh, and that's and it's Iceman's Admiral Kazansky's uh, wish that Maverick will teach these hot pilots to um, run this mission over the objections of uh, Cyclone, which is the, uh, I think he was the um, admiral in charge of uh, naval air forces of the Pacific, and then Warlock was the in charge of Top Gun itself. He was the uh, the the head of Top Gun. So all of these pilots who had just graduated Top Gun were called back to be selected from among them to run this mission. Um, and it's kind of funny. One of the fictions of both movies is that Top Gun is like it's the top one percent of all pilots, and it's like competitive. Real Top Gun isn't like that. Actually, the idea is we want everybody to to go through fighter weapon school. You know that that sort of thing, and it is not a competition. But you know, it's it's fun to have a little bit of drama uh, from that. Um, so, uh, but Cyclone tells Mav, "This is your last posting. This is it. Whether you take this job or not, whether you succeed or not." You're done after this. So it's a very final sort of sense. It's a we're ending things. You know, in the original movie, it was really the beginning of his career. And here we're kind of bookending it. And it's a, there's a finality. And it lends a sort of weight to this movie. You know, this idea of the finality of things. And um, he's he's still a hotshot. 
but he's more, I don't know, more focused in some ways than he was in the original. Is that, do you think that among base there? I think he has more wisdom. I think he's more humble in, you know, his, you know, what he's done, what he's achieved, but also what he's doing now. So, and you can see that when he says, when Admiral Kane is like, why are you still a captain? And he says, I'm where I belong. Um, and I think you, yeah, I think you can see that a little bit there. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Captain Kirk in Star Trek or Captain Picard and all these like Star Trek captains who are way too old to be captain of a starship. But, you know, for the dramatic purposes, we want them in the center seat. But, you know, for reality, you know, they should have been made admirals and retired long ago. And and I think it's the idea is, you know, Maverick's Maverick is would be wasted in an admiral's office. He's he's a pilot through and through. Yeah. So what did you think of the addition of Penny as the love interest? Does I mean, does, does the the whole romantics element add or detract from the movie? Do you think it's a, a sort of a throwaway? What do you think? Is it integral to the movie? What do you, what do you think of the of that? I think it helps show his humanity a little bit. I mean, he you know when Cyclone's saying, you know, the mission is all that matters and Maverick saying and coming home. Don't forget that part. Right. And you know, so he the the romance part of it I think just helps add to his humanity and show that, you know, he does care about other people. It's not just him, you know, and I think there's a contrast to the original where it kind of was all about him, you know, and and the the romance was at least started out as more of a conquest. And, you know, but, you know, I think as that movie went on and he lost Goose, you know, he was had to show his humanity this time. It's to show right off the bat. He, he's a human. He cares about other humans. And uh, it's not just the mission. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. What do you think, Cameron? Um, I I completely agree. I thought that it was a really great addition. I thought that it was a lot more subtle and took more of a backseat than the first film, which I appreciated. Um, I didn't want it to all be about, you know, Maverick and whichever girl he's with. I I liked that we touched more on Maverick as this redemptive you know father figure type who has to learn to let go of things and um and and be more human yeah i really i thought that it added definitely yeah it's interesting because even penny the 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 herself she expected him to be the the old you know love him and leave him uh prideful and he had changed she even she noticed how much he's changed and and i think that's the thing is is maverick is ready to settle down ready to you know pass on the torch and to sit on the beach and to be a regular guy and um like she kind of lists you know this his career of you know him screwing things up and then going off to fight you know basically you, you screwed up this then you get sent off to Bosnia. you screwed up this you get a, sent off to iraq twice in the, the two wars uh and so and now it, it's like she she doesn't trust him at first but eventually she realizes he has changed and i i like that aspect of it and where her daughter says you know don't break her heart again and you could see 
he realizes, you know, what he's done in the past and no, you know, he doesn't want to break her heart again. Um, and yet not spending so much time on it that the whole movie becomes maudlin. I, I do like the fact that we don't spend too much time on it either. But she's mentioned in the original, uh, in Was the, she? yeah. In the scene where they're at the diner, um, Goose's wife mentions her. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, she was the one that he took on a joyride. You know, when when she says, "Oh, you've ticked off the other admiral." Um, right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it was funny because when I was watching Maverick, it took me a little while. I was like, "Why? Why did they introduce this character as someone that I feel like I should already know?" Um. But, so they, yeah. yeah, they've been on and on again and off again for thirty six years. <laughs> okay <laughs> wow that is quite on and off again um yes i, I yeah now i wish i'd rewatched the the top gun recently that would have ca- caught that that would have been good um so that's interesting yeah so she's yeah she does feel like someone we ought to know someone who's got a lot of history with maverick and uh and yet is kind of surprised by he's different now um i i do think it's funny the uh the the boat trip where they t- they were on the boat. He's a captain in the United States Navy and doesn't know how to sail. <laughs> just love that. And she calls him out on it too. Yes. <laughs> I don't yeah. sail them. I land on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that was great. I thought that, that was, was great. I thought the humor was really well placed in this film. Yes. It was it was in all the appropriate spots. So. Right. There was all these moments of, you know, seriousness, drama, uh, pathos, but also uh, the humor to leaven it. Yeah. The, to lighten it up. Yeah. That was really good. Mm-hmm. So especially, let, uh-huh. yeah, I was saying, especially, um, you know, after they're behind enemy lines and y- you've just gone through that entire, very emotionally, um, like adrenaline packed action scene where Mav goes down and then rooster goes down. Um, and then Maverick runs up to Rooster and pushes him. And he's like, what were you thinking? And and Rooster goes, you told me not to think. And then just kind of shrugs at him. And I thought it was really well placed because it it allows the allows the viewer to kind of just take a breath and be like, OK, all of that just happened. Now we're we're refocusing. It was it was a great opportunity to regroup. That humor allowed the viewer to regroup and refocus on, OK, what how did they get out of there now? So, yeah, I thought it was really well placed. Stop and take a breath and, yeah, enjoy the moment. Yeah, that's right. So I wanted to take a little bit to, to talk about some of the uh, other pilots that he's training. Um, of course, this hangman who is so cocky. Like, I I mean, it, I think it's even a little overdone. Like the that cocky grin on his face all the time. <laughs> Like, dude, drive except, back except a little he doesn't bit. get get accepted to run the mission. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he, he gets that wiped off for just a minute. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, so there's him, and then there's oh, I didn't keep all their call signs straight, but um, uh, it was like this payback, and this Bob, and this Phoenix, and um, fanboy so, coyote. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the the Those female the pilot. Ones was uh phoenix phoenix okay that's right i was trying to keep straight and of course rooster and rooster is goose's son goose was maverick's backseater who died in the first movie and and then i was kind of surprised when i saw this that that his mom also died when he was young so he was an orphan um you know not sure how she died and that maverick kind of took on the fatherly role and just didn't know how to do it it was kind of you know uh 
you know, uh, what am I trying to say? It, you know, just didn't know what, what, how to be a father to him and took that last request from his mother, which was don't let him become a pilot, which is kind of sad, you know, to think about because this boy wanted to be just like his dad. And, you know, you could see, I can understand why she wouldn't want him to end up the same way. She knows better than anyone, how dangerous that life is. Uh, and yet, so he, he did go even over, uh, Maverick's uh, uh, objections and obstacle uh, becoming an obstacle, but it also wounded him and he became tentative, even though it's interesting. He's one of the best pilots in the Navy and yet he's really conservative and tentative and holding back a little. Yes. I thought that was really interesting because when I first met um, Hangman, I was thinking, Oh, Iceman. And then, you know, with Rooster, I was thinking Maverick, but actually I think they're kind of switched. I think Hangman has more of the cocky and a little bit dangerous side of him that Maverick did. And, you know, uh, Rooster was told by Hangman that, you know, he's just he's just snug up on that perch. He doesn't really he's too by the book. He sits and waits and doesn't make a decision. And I um, I think that was more maybe, you know, Iceman still was very. um more aggressive. Yeah. Yes, but um, but I definitely think my 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 thought process was was flipped a little bit hmm. um, going through that. So interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah, Hangman. If we, if I was to say who who reminds me most of, of Mav is is Hangman. You know that that over cockiness even. Um, whereas a, a Rooster is more restrained and like even to the conservative to the point of almost failing the mission, like not right. wanting to, to, uh, yeah. to overextend. Um, so, uh, yeah, I did love, by the way, I did love the fact that in the bar after, after Mav gets thrown out for not paying his bar tab, um, which was funny. The, uh, the, he sees rooster playing the piano, the great balls of fire, which is such, again, such a iconic scene from the original and just, you know, that, Jerry Lee Lewis, the whole thing, and him, you know, Mav looking in and seeing, remembering Rooster sitting on top of the piano as a little boy, you know, as they, you know, one of the final beautiful moments of that family before the before the mission and then the tragedy. And so um, I thought I just it was a for me a super nostalgic moment for me just watching it, remembering back. So uh, I really I was really pleased with that that scene. Um, so yeah. Um, so the, we, we get to the training missions and, you know, I love that first dogfight the, where he's assessing them. He kind of like bl- flies through them and they don't, you know, they don't expect him to be there. And it is, uh, uh, just a, uh, cra- you know, a crazy, um, uh, showing them that they're not as hot shots as they think they are compared compared to his skill set um which is really nice it kind of reminds me a little bit of the original we had tom scarrett and um so michael ironsides uh do, doing that do kind of doing the same thing to them in the in that the first dog fight kind of taking them down a peg um so so that was really fun um and then the and the push-ups uh which was <laughs> yes great that's a lot of push-ups that is a lot of push-ups. Oh my gosh. They said 200 and I was like, <laughs> I can do five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I, I thought the character of Hondo was interesting. I'm not sure. Like, was he like 
plane captain like he seemed to be just like there for maverick in every turn like yeah, he's like an like, aide i don't know what he why was was he him. involved in the dark star and then ends up back at top gun right there with him that that didn't make a lot of sense yeah. yeah, I was wondering that, too. I mean, I understand he had a role within the Dark Star program, but um, for him to come to Top Gun with Maverick, it, I, I'm not sure. Um, it, it seems to me that he was more just of a, a kind of a friend, like one of those reminders, one of those kind of anchors um, to keep Maverick grounded a little bit. But yeah, I, I wonder the like, captains often, especially ship captains, will have like a, uh, a a personal aide, like a, you know, um, not a secretary, but an aide to camp, it might be called. I wonder if if he, if he was that kind of role. They didn't, I mean, I'm fine that they didn't spell it out. It's fine. You know, just he was there. But uh, it was kind of a fun little character, side character there. Um, so then uh, we get a couple of things that um, uh, kind of recall the original movie, like the the beach football rather than beach volleyball. Um, that was that was a key a key scene from the first movie and a lot of fun to see it in this one um the building up the camaraderie of among the pilots um so that that was kind of fun to see that and um i'm trying to think of other key moments oh um the, at one point let's see uh Matt, when mav goes to see iceman there was this great moment at the end of their meeting. I really like this, where you know they they give a hug, and then he says, and 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 I think it's uh, Iceman says, "Who's the better pilot, you or me?" And Marv says, "This is a nice moment. Don't ruin it." Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was so great. Another one of those like really um, very appropriate humor moments. Yeah, right. That was a heavy scene, so it was really mm-hmm. nice to, yeah. to lighten it up there. And but in that scene. You know, Ice is telling Mav to let it go. It's like to let Rooster go, to let him go on the mission, to be his own man, to, to you can't protect him forever. Um, but also to let, I think he's also kind of telling him to let the Navy go, to let flying go. Like this is, it's time to move on. You know, you've, you've kind of been, he's been stuck. In fact, I think ever since Goose died, he's been stuck in one place. And it's this mission that helps him get unstuck so he can then move on. And I think that's one of the big themes of this movie as well, is just like how to, you, you can get stuck in a, in a moment from a mistake, a, a, a tragedy, a bad, a bad thing that happened to you. Um, and then you have to find a way to move on, let it go and move on. Uh, and, and I think that was a, a good aspect to this. Um, so at, like a lot of these movies, you have this moment in the middle, right? Where all the bad things happen <laughs> and they have to overcome them to, to get to the resolution. So we have like this series of bad things. First, there's the crash during the training run, you know, the bird strike in the, uh, in the engine that causes the crash. Then Iceman is dead. He, uh, he, you know, he, we have the funeral for Iceman and then Mav, because Iceman is gone, not not there to protect him, removed from the mission. And so he's just been boom, 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 blow after blow after blow. And and he has to make this decision. And what is I think he's talking to Penny at this point. Um He's about ready to give up. Yeah. 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 And she she gives him the advice of, you know, just be what does she say to him? I forget exactly how she puts puts it, but she basically tells him, man up, do what you do the thing that you know is the in your heart is the right thing to do here. Yeah, because he she knows that he's made that team and that 
if he leaves, whether it's on his accord or not, they're going to fall apart. And they're going to die, probably. They're yeah. not going to yeah. succeed. Yeah. Which they, they wouldn't need do. him. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and that's and that's so well done when they have Cyclone show up and he's like, OK, we're changing the parameters of the mission. You're going to fly higher. You're going to fly slower. Uh, yeah. And it's like and they're all like, um, if we do that, we're all going to die. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what they've been told this whole time is, OK, we're going to do it like this. And they're practicing it. And so when they're told, um, you know, that they have these different mission parameters they're I mean, the looks on their faces just perfectly acted. But um, yeah, just a lot of OK, but if if this was the why weren't we doing this before? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so it can't be done this way. So. And and Cyclone's reasoning is, is it can't be done the way you were the parameter was before and which is perfect timing. Mav shows up on the course and does it faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does it in even less time. He says it can be done. I and really better like than that. anybody else had done it before. Right. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk now about the Star Wars aspect of this, <laughs> uh, because the the run is the Death Star, right? You've got a yes. trench. You've got cannons or Sam uh, mm-hmm. on the trench. You've got uh, fighters or TIE fighters uh, waiting for you. You've got a um, a ventilation port that's just so wide that you have to hit it perfectly and then yep. pull out uh, so you can get away. And even at one point, and Goose is uh, go ahead. broken lasers. Right. Yep. Right. Broken lasers. Um, and then even at one point, um, Rooster is like, use the force you know, or don't think about it talk to me goose you know talk to me yeah. dad you know there's a whole like use the force moment there so i just uh what do you think is that intentional or is it an homage i i think it is you know george lucas got his uh that trench run from i think the movie's called damn busters is a world war ii movie right and they, they essentially do had to do the same thing where they had to go in against all these crazy odds and blow up this dam in world war ii and george lucas stole the trench run right from that that's and funny so so i think they just you know stole it back used it, used <laughs> it again and, and i remember when we were in the theater we only watched it in the theater once but i remember leaning over to my wife and saying it's star wars it's star wars and she just she i don't think she heard me because i was trying to be quiet you know yeah but she looks over at me and she's just staring at me i'm like i'll tell you later <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and and it is a great run. I mean, they have to go down this canyon. They they're just off the deck. They're having to thread the needle but under the bridge uh, uh, butments. Um, oh. it just it's so much drama, so exciting in this moment, and uh, and just the pop up, the turn, and the whole thing. I just think it was such a well crafted action sequence. Um, it's really hard to. Um, it, it's hard to 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 craft these sorts of things and make them exciting for you know it's harder than we think it is and so i think they did just a great job with it and the, i think honestly the the shots and i mean the cinematography it they were all there to make you feel some sort some certain emotion i mean that so when all four of them leave the carrier and you kind of see them heading off that you know, you, you start to get this little tense feeling in your stomach of, yeah. okay, this is, this is happening that in combination with the music in the background. And, um, and then when Maverick makes a decision, dagger attack, they send the missiles and then now they're in attack formation and you see those, 
planes, one, two, three, four, right on top of each other. Um, I mean, I, that was just, I don't know why it was such an, a, uh, maybe, maybe emotional isn't the correct word, but it just hits you. I mean, I just felt so, and it does kind of goes back to, um, the theme you were saying of, of patriotism. I just felt so much pride for, you know, the U S military in that moment. <laughs> and I think we're, we we were all worried about them because mm-hmm. in the original, they weren't shy. They didn't shy away from losing somebody. Yep. So it wouldn't have been unthinkable for them to lose somebody in that battle. I'm kind of surprised yeah. we didn't, uh, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Me too. I have to say that I felt like everything they were doing was setting us up to lose Maverick. Yep. I thought, yeah. I thought everything was setting us up. I mean, starting with, um, I'm sending you back to Top Gun. And then when they said, you know, you're not flying, you're teaching. I was like, he's going to end up flying this thing. Um, and, <laughs> right. and when he's with Iceman and he's saying, you have to let it go. And Maverick's telling him, I don't know how the immediate thought in my head was the only way he would be able to let it go would be a sacrifice of right. some sort. Which he and did. So I, I really yeah. thought that everything was leading up to, you know, the, the, these themes of fatherhood and of redemption and of sacrifice, forgiveness, even humility and growth. Um, I, I really thought we, we were all leading it up to we we're going to lose Maverick because that is the only way that he would ever be able to let go. Um, and to be honest, I would have been OK with that ending. I, yeah. I would have been perfectly fine with it. I still like the, the direction that they went. Um, but I, I think that it would have also served a purpose had they killed him off. Yeah, I mean, I could see how you would do it with, you know, passing it off, pa- passing the torch, you know, metaphorically mm-hmm. to to Rooster and Rooster having to carry it on, carry on and and, and uh, complete the mission. I mean, that's a that's a very familiar theme that we see a lot, a lot of stories. Uh, so I could have seen that, too. When he got shot down, I when I first saw it, I, I, that was my first thought is, is is he done? Is he dead? Like, is he, mm-hmm. like, is he gone? I can't. The one thing I was like, I, w- I can't imagine that they would have him die sort of off screen in the sense of go down behind a mountain and not see him, you know, like, like mm-hmm. they did, right. you know, that mm-hmm. um, we'd have to see. You have to see him not like literally see him, but, you know, see the plane explode with him in it or the plane crash on the ground with him in it. That sort of thing. Right. Um, you would have to I, see I, one I, more. Expe- I expected it when he's being chased by the attack helicopter. Yes. Oh, my right. gosh. That was honestly more terrifying than anything else in the film. When that helicopter swung around, yeah. man, that's an ugly thing. <laughs> <laughs> when that was pointing, when he was sitting there looking right down the barrel, I was, oh, my gosh. I thought for sure he was gone. The, yeah. the hind helicopter is a scary looking thing. It's for mm-hmm. sure. Um My uh, my nephew's a Blackhawk pilot, so I, I can appreciate the uh the 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 helicopter pilots uh in, in that um but it was awesome just seeing like that last second goose uh, i mean goose rooster showing up to save the day and that i mean it was a pretty fantastic shot that was yeah. that was pretty awesome yes um, but let's get to um one of my favorite parts <laughs> was when they get to that air base and they, and they, there's an F-14 there. Now, the, one of the reasons why I say this is Iran is because uh, a lot of people don't know that before 1980, the the Iran was friendly to the U.S. And they were the only other country then other than the U.S. that had F-14s, 
that we had sold them F-14s. And so after the Iranian Revolution, they actually had F-14s. The thing is, they couldn't fly them because they were they couldn't get spare parts. And those planes, you have to get a lot of they they go through a lot of spare parts. Um, But it's just kind of funny. They had F-14s. And um, Jason, you probably realized it, realized it when you saw it, too. And I don't know if you did, Cameron, but the idea that they would be able to get in this plane wearing their (laughs) F-18 gear and be able to interface somehow with the F-14 is just so completely improbable. But, you know, whatever. Maverick yeah. in, a, in, a, in an F-14 had to happen in this movie. Absolutely. To, to get him to be able to f- take off well on that sh- itty-bitty little runway without a catapult, that was iffy. <laughs> but uh, but for him to be able to to start it, taxi it, no problem. I, I'm, I'm right there. Yeah. But to dogfight, fifth gen... Uh, oh my gosh <laughs> yeah there's no way <laughs> no yeah and yeah i think i think they compromised a little bit with the uh when it broke off the front landing gear i thought they yes. were like okay we'll give you this <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> you, can't, you can't get off the ground totally unscathed so yes yes i mean and then he you know he he got them to kind of shoot each other and mm-hmm. i mean there's he used some clever tricks although i have to say that maneuver that that enemy fighter did where that kind of yes. did i don't know how i would like describe it just kind of yeah it was wild a lot of those aircraft have what's called thrust vectoring and it man that they can just do some weird stuff <laughs> it, it, it it seems physically impossible yeah yeah exactly i mean some of the the it, we, F-35s and some of the uh the russian the new russian ones also have i think that one vectors. was russian i think that it was a SU seventy, I think it was called. Yeah. Yes. I, I could yes. I, I might be mistaken on the last part of that. I'm sorry. But um I won't hold you to it. So the okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so the 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 you had this the dogfight and you know the stealing of the F fourteen, they're flying in this and Rooster being in Goose's seat, you know, just it's a it's a perfect ending to this story that started with the original movie. And I mean, it just it's so uh, well done. I mean, again, improbable, but it's awesome. And and we have this return to this moment where it's it's the man in the box, not the machine that matters. And it's the skill of the pilot. Exactly. And 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 that's one of the things I think it's the even like the. uh our own military says to the air force and the Marines and the Navy, they talk about like, it's not just that we have better planes because in some cases we don't, but our pilots are better than anyone else in the world. And that it's entirely possible uh, to, to say that it's entirely true. And and you, there could be a, a point of pride in the, you know, the guy sitting in the fifth gen, they're like, Oh, well we got this, you know, no problem. Yep. And then they don't realize what somebody can do in there. Yes, that's true. Uh, and then, of course, Hangman comes in and saves the day at the at the uh, last second, which is uh, which was fun to see that. Um, and uh, and he does say Mav does say to Rooster, thank you for saving my life. And he responds, it's what my dad would have done, which is a, a beautiful moment. Um, so and then uh, and then we you know land back on the on the carrier and um, and he ends up back. It's interesting. He goes back to the bar, Penny's bar, and she's gone. So we have this whole epilogue of going back. She's gone on a on a sailing trip with the daughter, and he kind of fig- you kind of get the sense that he's like, okay, I you know, have to accept she's decided not to wait for me to 
to move on without me. And he goes back to back to the plane uh, to hang her in Nevada. Uh, and that's where they show up. So it was pretty I thought that was interesting. Why? What do you think that was about? That's that what Penny was doing. Was she just kind of accepting and moving on just in case he didn't come back? What did you think? I think she couldn't handle being there and, and, you know, being around all of these Navy guys who are in her bar all the time and everyone who's, who's there. Um, I don't think that she could just, just handle it mentally. And so I think that, you know, the, the boat's fixed now. Um, she can pull Amelia and, and go and kind of just refocus again. And, um, and not think about it because, you know, if she stays there, all she's going to do is, is obsess about it and worry about it. And I have no idea when he'll be back stateside, if he'll be back at all, if he'll survive, you know, their, their goodbye on the beach was very, um, very, gosh, Almost final. What? yes. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a sense of finality to it. And, um, but in a really beautiful way, like no words were said, you know, they just looked at each other and, she hugged him and that was that was it um you know and but yeah i don't think she could have handled just being there waiting and waiting and waiting so i think she definitely had to get out um and then once she knew he was back she was like all right let's go yeah that's true yeah and it was re- it was really cool to see him back in nevada he's got uh, rooster with him working on the mm-hmm. plane together um rooster's kind of seen all of his the memorabilia related to his dad which was a nice moment and then having uh, Penny and Amelia show up and then that final montage of flying uh, in the Mustang, which was it's a beautiful plane. I love that plane. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, any final thoughts, anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure we, we hit uh, Cameron, anything that you wanted to say? Um, really just just loving this theme of of humility that's kind of come from everything and um Especially, I think, regarding Hangman, you know, he started off and um, I, I I really liked the kind of the going back to the first film when Bob was saying, why do they call him Hangman? And and Phoenix was telling him because he'll always he'll always leave you. And then yep. Maverick goes leaving your wingman. I've never seen that before because that was something <laughs> that Mav had a problem with, which is why I yeah. was saying that, you know, there's a little bit of of connection there. Um, but Hangman is really humbled. Um, in the, in a couple moments, one where he's, you know, he's the one who throws Mav out. And then when he's introduced as their instructor, he's, he's kind of like, oh crap, you know? Um, so that's one more of a, a humorous one. And then the other one when he's not chosen and he's sitting out there and he's, you know, he's saying like, dire spare requesting to, um, to assist and they tell him no, and he has to sit there still. Um, mm. and it kind of makes me wonder because we see him come in and save Mav and Rooster. It kind of makes me wonder if he got permission to launch off the carrier. He, he would have had to because yeah, the catapults aren't. He doesn't control those. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah, but you know, it's funny. I thought I thought it was funny that we didn't get to see that. Um, yep. that it was just you know he had to sit there and wait, and it. I think it was a very humbling experience for him, um, especially when he was telling Rooster beforehand. You know, he shook his hand, told him give him hell and um and then afterwards when they come back and it's very much a reunion like Maverick and Iceman in the first mm-hmm, film mm-hmm. so i i really liked a lot of that surrounding uh like the dynamic between Hangman and Maverick and Rooster all three of them yeah yeah 
I like that moment when he get tells, tells, you know, Rooster, give him hell. There's not a lot of uh, talking. There's not a lot of emoting and, hey, man, I'm sorry. I was a jerk to you. But no, they don't, it doesn't have to be said. They just, you know, give him hell. He knows what he means. They know that we're good. Just go do your job. He doesn't say good luck. That's a terrible thing that pilots are very suspicious. Don't say that to them. You know, that sort of thing. He just says, give him hell. And, you know, and that's it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, yeah. Hangman is an interesting character in this uh, to see his his journey. Jason, how about you? Any last thoughts? I'm just so glad that they they put those actors in the in the cockpits of those aircraft. And uh, as I was studying up for this, I, I found out that they had to film themselves like yeah. sitting in that cockpit. They had to touch up their own makeup and pay attention to uh you know, eye line and all these different things that, uh, you know, normally the cinematographers and all the crew members do. And the director said that he was once he, you know, he told him do this, do this, do this, you know, when they're sitting on the tarmac. And then when they went up in the aircraft, he, he didn't know how it would turn out till they came back. Wow. And they, there was one scene where rooster miles teller, wasn't strapped in enough and they went inverted Mm -hmm. and he like hits the top of the canopy with his head, which very reminiscent of his dad. I mean, that's, that's how goose dies. Right. But it wasn't supposed to happen that way. And they just left it in the movie because it made sense to it. And, and I also found out that it cost them $11,000 an hour to fly those airplanes for every airplane. It was, (laughs) and and that's a steal. They said on average, it's 30 to 40,000 per operating hour to, to maintain and fly those. Yep. That's crazy. (laughs) It is wild. Yeah. So uh, for me, I, I just, you know, as I, as we wrap up, I want to, I'd love for them to make a Top Gun uh, rooster. That'd be kind of fun to uh, to follow the career and adventures of of Rooster and the other pilots without Mav. I think that would be interesting to see. I think Miles Teller is an is an excellent actor. I've enjoyed him in several different things, uh, and I would enjoy seeing him to, to do more of this. Um, and I think this is a worthy part two to Top Gun. I mean, I really feel like these are two parts of of a single story. And um, I was afraid that this was going to be an exploitation of the nostalgia of all the Gen Xers who saw, you know, who's, who loved Top Gun when it yeah. came out, but it, it wasn't, it was, it was so well done. I mean, such an excellent movie. It got nominated for best picture, obviously a lot of good competition uh, out there, but the fact is, is it's a, it's a really great movie and, uh, and some really, as you've heard some really great themes. So I'm really happy to have been able to see it and to talk about it with you all. So, um, I think we'll wrap things up there. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including John, Mary Claire L, Don G, Jordan S, and Maximilian S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us this time. We'd love to hear what you thought of Top Gun Maverick. You can let us know by 
commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets at the StarQuest Facebook page or send us an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Cameron Kelly, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Top Gun Maverick. Thanks, Dom. Thanks so much. And Jason Eugene, thank you as well. Thank you for letting me talk about it. It was fun. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And remember, talk to me, Goose. Goose.